G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Somebody uh, asked a question one day when I went along to one of these lectures and said, um, how could that match up with evolution? How could that evolve? And he said, I don't know whether I believe in evolution fully myself. And I thought, well, goodness me, he used a word there, believe, which didn't seem to me appropriate for a scientist. The story. story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, people have been wondering for years, where did we come from and how do we get here? And for Dr. Don Batten, these are the questions he loves to address in his role as one of the scientists at Creation Ministries International. He was trained as an agricultural scientist and has spoken around the world on the creation issue, showing the errors in the evolutionary ideas he was taught. We'll hear his story today and find out how his views on the topic have evolved as he has a chat with Shelley Scowen. Don, you were raised in a rural area in New South Wales, and so I guess your love of agriculture came right from the very beginning, maybe some of your earliest memories. It's just kind of a natural part of you? Yeah, I guess being raised, I mean, Dad, my father was a farmer and uh, wheat, sheep and cattle, uh, broad acre stuff, and uh, yeah, so agriculture was sort of in the blood, so to speak, and, uh, was, and I went to an agricultural boarding school so you know that rubbing shoulders with uh, kids from similar background and many of those uh, you know went on to do veterinary science or agricultural science at university and uh, yeah it seemed like a natural progression yeah to learn a bit more about all the things that you're seeing around you you say that you were saved at the age of 10 tell us about the day that you met the guys from open air campaigners well, like 80% of kids at that era, I went to Sunday school. Uh, you can sort of look at today and say, well, how many kids go to Sunday school a day? It might be 1% or 2%. So yeah. that's how much our society has changed. So I was one of those 80% that went to Sunday school fairly regularly. My parents uh, sent me along, uh, which was often the case as well, that uh, we're not saying everybody was a Christian or anything like that. But uh, people had a sort of a, a godly outlook in the sense of they respected there was a creator and they thought church was important, although maybe they weren't themselves, you know, wholly uh, sold out to the idea. They thought their kids could, should get a uh, grounding in those sort of things. So I was one of those kids and uh, I went along to the local Presbyterian Sunday school and had a, I remember the, uh, actually a godly man who was teaching us, a bunch of boys and uh us boys really look forward to our time with uh, Mr. Black and uh, we longed for getting out of church and going to Sunday school. So <laughs> he, was, he must have had something going for him. Anyway, I didn't really understand uh, really what he was talking about. But one day I was up the street uh, in the local town of Peak Hill, which if, if you'd travelled from Brisbane to Melbourne via the Newell Highway, you would have travelled through Peak Hill between Dubbo and Parks. Okay. And a uh, little one main street. I was up there with my father. He was doing some stuff on Saturday morning and an open air campaign. A preacher was preaching in the street and I sat down on the edge of the footpath with a feet in the gutter and listened to this guy preach the gospel and it dawned on me 
what our Sunday school teacher had been on about, and uh, that is, of course, that uh, Jesus, uh, the Son of God, came to earth to pay for the sins of us people, us humans who had rebelled against God. And uh, at that moment, I realised what it was all about and uh, committed my life to the Lord, uh, received the forgiveness that he was offering. And uh, the Open Air Campaigners had a... uh, correspondence course and sort of follow up to help you get going and uh, I did that and and uh, from then on I was uh, you know following the Lord but I wasn't say it was uh, all straightforward but uh, yes yeah, from then on that's when it happened. It's funny how your Sunday school teacher did all of that watering and sowing of the seeds but uh, the open air campaigners saw the harvest. It's great yeah. that you were in the right place at the right time and that person was available then too. Yeah, well, you look back on things and you see God's hand in all sorts of things. In fact, somebody said uh, life's full of coincidences when you're a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, you then went to high school, like you said, a boarding high school, and then uh, went on to university. And I guess during that time you thought of God and science as being two very different concepts, probably similar to what's taught in schools today, uh, where it's kind of mutually exclusive. You can't believe in science and believe in God at the same time. We see a lot of that around today, don't we? Yeah, well, I, I was the first sort of generation that really got indoctrinated in evolution in high school. Um, and to, before the 1960s, most people don't realise, but before the 1960s, the uh, curriculum in schools was very compatible with Christian faith. And in fact, the government schools, you could call Christian schools. Wow. Uh, in fact, the schools had school prayers. They had a, usually at the assembly once a week. They'd sing a school hymn. Uh, they would be addressed by one of the local ministers. Uh, there was uh, the local ministers would be doing this. The pastors of the churches would have every week would have classes uh, teaching uh, scripture. But on top of that, if if they didn't have that, there was actually a a book that teachers actually read from. This is just a normal teacher, not not RE teachers. A normal teacher would read uh, some Bible passage and some commentary on the Bible. And this was in state schools. Wow. You didn't, to, you didn't have to go to a Christian school to get at least some sort of Christian education. It wasn't until the 1960s that this wholesale secularization of the schools occurred. And God was kicked out effectively, and in came evolution. And it's 1962, 63 in New South Wales and similar time frames in other states. And uh, I was the second year of that new curriculum. And we were basically evolution shoved down our throats at every turn. It's much worse today. Mm. And uh, basically the churches had no idea what to do with it. Uh, The ministers had no idea what to do with it. And uh, from that moment on, the secularization of society moved at a pace, and that is kick God out. Uh, we don't need God. We can think of everything in terms of natural processes. And so uh, this is just again that time. Now, I, I, as a Christian, I didn't know what to do with that, how to deal with that. And um, I just buried my head in the sand and said, what problem? I don't see a problem. Maybe God used evolution. Mm. And uh, so you have these vague notions. I mean, when I ask pastors about it, they usually resorted to some sort of gap theory uh, that you um, have this imagined period there between the first couple of verses of Genesis where there was uh, Lucifer's flood which destroyed the earth and created all the fossils and dead things and the rocks and then God recreated in six days of creation and 
and a lot of them have thought that this sort of solved the problem and uh, I thought if they think that solves the problem, they don't know what the problem is. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't know what to think about it. I just drifted along and tried not to think about it actually. Now, this, the course wasn't, evolution wasn't taught like, well, here's an alternative to God. It wasn't put in that context. But basically, it was here was a way of thinking about everything without reference to God or the Bible. And so, in other words, God becomes a, an unnecessary addition, an unnecessary um, optional extra that you can leave out without any real consequence. And uh, and that was the effect that's had on many people. You see, well, as I said, when I was a kid, 80% of kids went to Sunday school now, what, 2 or 3% maybe? Yeah. Um, we see the wholesale secularization of society where um, God's been kicked out of virtually every area except, of course, most churches on Sunday and even some churches he's not present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. And I think a lot of that stems back to this whole evolution thing as well because really if we didn't need God to create us then we don't need him in our everyday lives either. Well, if there's no God, if there's no creator, if everything just made itself, there's no need for a creator, then nobody owns us, nobody tells us what to do, we do our own thing. Yeah. And in fact, if there's nobody made us, nobody owns us, we're not accountable to anybody, so there's no such thing as sin, and so why did Jesus die on the cross? Yeah. So it all falls apart right there. If someone doesn't believe that God created us, you get nowhere in presenting the gospel to them. Yeah, because it's so foundational for the rest of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. Don, it was when you were in a zoology class, though, your professor of zoology uh, got you thinking with one of the quotes that he said. Yeah, it was an optional lecture, and he was a popular teacher, and so uh, his optional lunchtime lectures were often sort of pretty much full, and he would broach all sorts of subjects. And somebody uh, asked a question one day when I went along to one of these lectures and said, um, how could that, whatever he's talking about, uh, match up with evolution how could that evolve and uh, and he said oh, I'm not really sure about evolution myself you know uh, or something like that he said mm. uh, I don't know whether I believe in evolution fully myself and I thought well goodness me he used a word there believe which didn't seem to me appropriate for a scientist yeah <laughs> you know, where the whole point me- is meant to be black and white and facts well yeah I, that's the naive view I had that yeah. science was about facts you know yeah. not something you believe and so it sort of started a process of thinking and think well and I, I guess a little bit of a window of sort of understanding and the philosophy of things and that we're not actually when you're talking about evolution about what happened in the past about the unobserved past some story about how in cosmic evolution, the universe burst into existence from nothing, and uh, what we have today is a product of natural processes ever since that first event. And so, uh, but who observed all that? I mean, it's it's a story. It's really fundamentally a story. And yeah, there are minor scientific aspects to it which you can test to some extent but ultimately it's a story about history mm-hmm. and history isn't fundamentally science science is about how the world today operates how we we test things work out things how you know how is it that 
uh, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level and uh, look at the uh, atomic movements and all sorts of things and how that might work and the uh, latent heat of water and all this sort of stuff. You know, th- these, are, these are things you can measure and test and retest and other people can test them and measure them and uh, they're repeatable. Now, that's the aspect of science is you can repeat experiments, other people can repeat experiments. So you start talking about history, you think, hang on a minute, well, what experiment can you do in history? You're listening to The Story. Today, Dr. Don Batten from Creation Ministries International is sharing his story and how he came to be so passionate about the topic of creation. Next, he'll share about the time he was praying and heard God say to him, Are you going to believe my word? Or are you going to believe the words of man? That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with Dr. Don Batten from Creation Ministries International. He's sharing his story and how his strong convictions regarding creation have developed in his life. He was trained as an agricultural scientist and has spoken around the world on the creation issue, showing the errors in the evolutionary ideas he was taught. People think it's objective, you know, people just look at the facts, derive the their derivations from those facts and it's just objective but it isn't and particularly Mm. when it comes to the things that affect the way we think about ourselves about where we come from where we're going what does life mean and of course the whole evolutionary story is fundamental to that if someone who doesn't want to believe in a creator must believe some sort of evolution that's what they mean by it's a fact that it's the only game in town for naturalism or nature is all there is there's no creator there's no supernatural as Richard Dawkins is a well-known atheist said evolution enables him to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist hmm. so it's if you like the atheist creation myth that's what evolution is yeah yeah it is but Don then you actually had a fairly amazing experience when you heard like an audible voice from God tell us about that experience well, that was actually several years down the track after that happened. Okay. Uh, I guess if you look back on it, I was a bit of a slow learner when it came to these sorts of things. <laughs> I mean, th- this thinking was on the back burner a lot of time with me. I, I just did my exams and passed my exams. And uh, by the way, once you get past first year university, evolution is irrelevant to real science. You get into real science, uh, molecular biology and so on. Uh, evolution becomes quite irrelevant. Okay. And so, uh, you know, but... It, but it, for many students, it's become their worldview, a part of their worldview, which is a, a godless worldview. Mm. And, uh, of course, that has all sorts of good consequences in in their thinking, not good overall and not good in a moral sense, but uh, they think it's good because it frees them from moral responsibility. Yeah. So they can do whatever they like. They can sleep around, take drugs, whatever they feel good about uh, without any supposed consequences. So the whole evolutionary doctrine is very attractive to many young students so actually several years down the track i was actually at a in a biochemistry lecture and again a, a lecturer was asked uh, how could this evolve and it floored me when the lecturer said it couldn't 
know, there's incredible intricacies in living things that are being discovered at that time and, and there's so much more now, known now it's just unbelievable the intricate complexities of the molecular biology of li- even the simplest living thing is just unbelievable and uh, and but this early stage as he said no it couldn't evolve and I thought what what's going on here and uh, that was another big opening up and then then I heard uh, Dr. Dwayne Gish from the Institute of Creation Research from in California, United States, was visiting Australia and had a lunchtime lecture. And I went along, and, and here's a biochemist defending, believing biblical creation. That God actually created things in six days, like it says in the Bible. And it blew me away. And then uh, he recommended a book, which I had to hunt down, and I got the book and I read it, and uh, that just started to change my thinking entirely. I said, wow, you mean I can believe what the Bible says? And um, so I uh, started studying and then over, it was probably a couple of years even after that, that I, I was being challenged about to believe what God had actually inspired in, his, in the Bible. And, uh, and that's when I was praying one day, getting to your question eventually. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was praying one day like, and uh, reading the Bible and uh, this, these words came to me and they weren't audible, but they were so clear they might as well have been audible. Then uh, the words were, are you going to believe my word or are you going to believe the words of men? Mm. And at that moment, I realized all those years I tried to believe that maybe God used evolution, maybe the days were long periods of time, maybe this, maybe that. You know, I don't really know what to think about this. Um, I'd actually been believing the so-called scientists who proclaimed they knew what happened in the past and they weren't there rather than believing God, who actually was there in the past and inspired the words of the Bible to tell us what happened in what time frame mm. and in what order as well. And uh, and everything was very good. It wasn't a world of death and suffering initially. And so at that moment, uh, in, a, in a moment of clarity, I realized what I'd been doing and I said, Lord, forgive me and help me to believe. And... Uh, and I actually had tears in my eyes at the time. Uh, it was a really emotional moment. And I, I said, Lord, help me to believe. And I changed at that point in my thinking. My, my thinking changed from being a person who was standing over the Word of God, over the Bible, trying to make it say what I thought it should say to a person who was under the authority of the Word of God. In other words, whatever the Bible says, that's the Word of God. I believe it. Not that I understand everything, I'm not pretending I do, but if I don't understand it, I've got to work at it. It's not not a problem with the Bible because it's the Word of God. Mm. Yeah, it's the inspired Word of God that we can't argue with. It's all there. Yeah, but see, many people in our churches today, many people, and particularly people who have been through academia, have come through with that really bad attitude, which I had, uh, which is, uh, if I don't understand something in the Bible, then there's something wrong with the Bible. <clears throat> now I've got to try and reinterpret it and make it fit what I think it should say. Yeah, that's a great point. The logical progression from all of that is to then seek to understand the Bible as much as you can, use it as a scientific tool in itself. Uh, and then you've been obviously endeavouring to defend it from everyone who would attack it as well. I guess that's why you've been so passionate about being involved in creation ministries. Yeah, well, the the creation message and the creation apologetics was so fundamental in my own Christian walk and so helpful. Of course, then I became passionate about helping others to 
uh, understand these things as well. And that's, that's how I got involved. And you've seen a lot of fruit from that as well, from uh, people high up in academia to just normal average Joe who rocks up at church or whatever for an interesting night out. It yep. really is a change of worldview for everyone. Right across the spectrum, that's true, from university professors right through to to uh, people that hadn't had much education at all. In fact, in the UK, I came across a guy who was actually illiterate, but he was, he'd been an evolutionist. Uh, and how did he get that? From TV from mm-hmm. watching David Attenborough and so on on TV. Yeah. So it, it affects everybody. Every spectrum of, of our society is indoctrinated in evolution. Yeah. And, uh, and you go to national parks and it's written on the interpretive signs that you see uh, wherever you go. Yes, uh, it is. The everywhere. evolution story. It's just s- such slow drip. And people think, well, it must be true because we, that's all we hear about. Yeah. Oh, I heard it in a kids program the other day as well. It was on one of the the little kids programs and they were talking about dinosaurs being millions of years old. I mean, it happens right from when children are tiny. It's just indoctrinated in us. Uh, It's funny you mentioned about the TV documentaries and whenever I happen to watch those, I actually quite enjoy watching them because it makes me worship God in a whole new way because I just see the complexities of his design. And then you hear the narrator talking about uh, all this evolutionary thinking and you're just there going... Have you just seen the same things that I've been seeing on your yeah. documentary? There's such a disconnect, isn't there? Yes, in, there is. In their thinking. I mean, Richard Dawkins, again, he said that biology is a study of things that have the appearance of being designed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's denial, though, isn't it? Like you said, it, it is that just willful denial in many aspects. Well, Romans chapter 1 says that the attributes of God are seen in the things he has created so that people are without excuse. Yeah. They have no excuse for denying that God exists. But it says there they willingly suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They deliberately suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So basically it's the rebellious heart of man that looks at the creation and then tries to figure out how it all happened without a creator. Mm-hmm doesn't even add up logically in my mind but anyway i guess the biggest thing for us is to pray for these people because it isn't just their head that's hurting it's their heart as well they need well, a change like, of heart absolutely ultimately it's a change of heart that mm. people um need to, to acknowledge their rebellion against god and uh and turn away from that turn to god their creator their savior for the salvation that he's offered mm. and so yeah, I mean, it is off the heart, um, but the intellect, I mean, it's the whole person. And so uh, these intellectual things are fundamental to the unbelief because so, it says they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So they know the truth in their heart of hearts. They know the truth, but they suppress it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, so God's placed in his creation abundant evidence that he exists. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today, Dr. Don Batten. Really appreciate you, I guess, sharing some of your own journey, marrying up science with your faith and how that can apply to us as well. Thanks for having a chat this morning. Thanks, Shelley. Been a pleasure with you. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Dr. Don Batten from Creation Ministries International. And I think it's worth repeating those important verses in the Bible he mentioned regarding creation found in the first chapter of Romans. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So 
When we see a beautiful sunrise or sunset and think of God, that's how he designed us. That's one of the ways he reveals himself. So we have no excuse to deny he's there. If you'd like to learn more about God's creation and Creation Ministries International, their website is creation.com. That's simply creation.com. Well, thanks for joining us for today's enlightening conversation on creation with Dr. Don Batten. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. In my teenage years, when things were tough, I was getting picked on at school and I was quite an angry girl. I just kind of thought, my life sucks. You know, if, if God's real, how could any of this stuff have happened to me? And um, it was sort of when I got sick. I mentioned that I only had my eyes out recently. Uh, I listened to a lot of sermons and read a lot of the scriptures during that time. And I thought, I really want to learn more about this. Kim Black was born blind and rebelled against God in her teenage years. But she says now her spiritual eyes have been opened and that she can see, but just in a different way. We'll hear her story and some of the challenges she faces in everyday life next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 